1: I want to bring you a message today that the, the title of this message, I think, uh, caused some people to feel like they didn't need to be here today because they felt like they'd already accomplished it. I want to preach to you the topic of be the donkey. Be the donkey. Anybody feel like your spouse is already there? Don't raise your hand. Okay. i <laughs> Be the donkey. Amen. All right. Father, before I read this scripture today, I ask you, oh God, that you will... Help us to become what you want. God, during the last service, you cleaned us out. Do the same. Let your word wash us and make us whole. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, a lot of times when you read a passage, you go, okay, what's the significant point in there? Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you there's about 38 of them in here. Okay. Nobody cringed. Okay, that's good. There's about 38 of them, and we're going to hit all that we can really quick, but we're going to pick up in verse 18 in just a moment. But before we get there, let me just give you the the story that leads us up to verse 18. All right. We're talking about supernatural things. We sung about the miracles and supernatural power of God. Do we believe in the supernatural God? Amen. But yet, when things seem a little weird and get a little little supernatural and people start questioning things about the Bible, we we have a real hard time with it. And so uh, we're dealing with this series that we need to encounter a miracle working God. How many of you understand you need a miracle in your life? Come on now. Amen. Many of you need a miracle. We need a miracle working God. So in order to do that, we have to look and understand that the same God that did these miracles wants to do miracles in your life. So we've been taking this through a story about angels, and we've had a few messages about angels, and so we're going we're gonna to go into another story that has an angel involved in it, and it really kind of plays a lesser role in this message, but it has a lot of supernatural things happening. So the children of Israel have reached a stage somewhere between three and four million in strength. Are you with me? Three to four million in strength. Now, take, take a ball stadium like Neyland Stadium. 90,000 people. What are they going to do if they march through the streets? It's going to look unbelievable. Take that and make it 4 million. Okay, 4 million people. We're talking about, they're just cleaning up. I'm remembering the egg hunt from a few years ago. We put out like 10,000 eggs and a few hundred kids showed up and it took like four hours to put out 10,000 eggs and it took 45 seconds. For, ten, uh, for all those hundred kids, that I, it was literally, I sat there with almost tears running down my face. My back was hurting me. Put eggs out, put eggs out. And I watched them. They went, go. And they went, Whoa. <laughs> like locusts. There you go, locusts. There you go. And so it's not that different. The children of Israel just walking by the millions across the land. And as they're walking by the millions across the land, everything is just is falling subject to them. And, and they're these hardened children of God. And they come to Ammon, and they just wipe Ammon out. Then they come to Bashan, and they wipe Bashan out. And so the king of Moab, his name is Balak, he sees them coming, and he says, there's nothing in the natural that I can do to stop this force of people. There's nothing in the natural that I I can do. So he said, I'm going to need supernatural intervention. Now, who's coming in this direction toward them? The children of Israel, the children of God. So he sends to a man by the name of Balaam. And he says to Balaam, look, you have supernatural power, you have supernatural connection, and I want you to come and for literally, lack of a better word, come and bring your mojo, as it were, and cast an evil spell on these uh, children of God. And uh, Balaam does a very intelligent thing. He says, no, I, I, I can't come do that. I can only do what God tells me to do. And so they go back, and the king sends them back to him. And Balaam has already heard from God. God has already told Balaam, don't do this. And the men have returned. So Balaam says, listen, guys, verse number 18, here's, here's how he responds. He says, then Balaam answered and said to the servants of Balak, though Balak were to give me his house full of silver and gold. Notice this, he's, he's focusing on the prize, a house full of silver and gold. I noticed this, could not go beyond the word, and one translation says the Lord my God, the other says the word of Jehovah my God, to do less or more. Wow. I cannot go beyond beyond the word of the Lord. Now look, this is not where I want to to get with this, but I'm going to stop here for just a few moments. I think it's amazing there's a couple of things we need to notice. Who's coming at at Balaam? The children of God. What does he do? He needs a supernatural move, so he goes and he finds another child of God. Balaam says, God is my God. Jehovah is my God, right? Right? And so he goes and he says, I can't do anything without God's power. There's a group of people that are only together because of God's power. And watch this. I want somebody to get this. Suddenly, there are two representatives of the same God on opposite sides. Sometimes you end up in the opposite side from other believers. That was a really low amen. This must be for the next service. Conviction really settled in the last service, so maybe it was for that service. But sometimes you, oh, do I go there, Lord? Let me just make it real personal. Sometimes you and your spouse, who both love Jesus with all your hearts end up on the opposite side of a situation. I know you have never argued in here. I'll never forget one day in my life. Christine and I were having a good argument. I mean, it was a doozy. And the reason I remember it so much, she was wrong. She was wrong. You got to understand, normally it's me, but she was wrong. And I had started with the preacher thing, dealing with her about being wrong. And she always pulls out that little finger and says, don't you preach at me. I say, I have a license to do it. Come on now, amen. She's like, "Don't you preach at me?" So I just got quiet on her that day. We went, and got in the car, and from our house to Georgia 400 is about a fourth of a mile. And I just got kind of quiet, and I started praying, just to myself. <laughs> note, note, take notes. If you're going to pray about what your spouse is going through, do it internally. <laughs> I started praying. I'm like, "Lord, you're going to have to deal with her heart. She's not. She's not right in this situation." I had the word, okay? It wasn't, we weren't arguing. She was mad at somebody else and I was telling her she was wrong about it and, and, and we were fighting about how I dared tell her she was wrong because how I many of you understand if even if you love them, it doesn't make what they're doing right if it contradicts God's word. Some of you need to be the donkey. We'll get there in a minute. And so at this moment, I'm praying and I'm just driving, smiling trying to duck it for cover. She's red hot. That little woman is fired up. We made it from my house, the fourth of the mile to 400, and I'm telling you, she just hauled out, just slapped my arm. I said, what? She said, you're praying. Stop praying. (laughs) I I said, I am praying. She said, God's dealing with my heart. Now look, Just because I love her didn't make her right. But just because we were disagreeing didn't change God's Word. And that's what I want you to notice in the very... Like I said, there's 38 possible sermons out of this. Possible sermon number one. Don't worry, I'm not preaching all 38. Some of you went, oh, oh Lord, help us. But possible sermon number one, sometimes when you're on the opposite sides of something, even with someone you love you need to know where you can stand and there's only one place you can stand, the Word. That's what Balaam said. He said, I can't do anything outside of what God's Word says to do. And I know that I've watched God change my life and the way I used to respond to certain things, I don't respond the same way anymore, because I'm trying to figure out how to do what the word says. And when some people what they see is inaction doesn't become inaction, it actually becomes more me getting along with God saying, "God, I don't know how to do what you said to do, so I don't know what to do." Until I know how to do what God says to do, I really don't need to do anything. Until you can obey what God's word says, you are probably in the wrong place, doing the wrong thing, if you cannot obey what God's word says to do in the situation. So if it's back to your spouse, if you can't do what you're supposed to do and walk in the love, and remember that verse that says that love keeps no records of wrong. If you can't live in that place, then you need to get along with God before you try to fix them, and you need to let God's Word fix you. I'm preaching truth. As a matter of fact, I'm preaching better than your amen in this morning. Come on. This is a powerful, powerful teaching that it must line up with God's Word. It must line up with the plan of God. But here's the other side of this. It also shows me that this Balaam had more confidence in the Word than most believers today. He said, unless God's Word says it, I can't do it. Unless God's word says, I can't stand on it. Unless God's word makes it clear, then I can't claim it. And that's where we need to get as believers in our lives. We need to plant ourselves in the word of the living God. We need to plant ourselves in the things of God. And we need to say, if God said I can believe for this, then I'm going to stake my claim and I'm not moving anywhere until God does what he says he's going to do because my confidence is in the word. So, Balaam teaches us to stand on the Word. But then the story goes on and it gets really, really supernatural. And I think we have to understand that God wants to protect His Word. In Jeremiah 1.12, the Lord says, I'm watching over my Word to perform it. God is wanting to do something to where our confidence comes in Him. But verse number 20, I want to pick up in verse number 20 for just a moment. I'll, I'll do it this way. It says, That night, God came to Balaam, and said. Now what you've missed here is verse 19. 19, Balaam says, I know what God told me and I can't do anything but what God told me, but why don't you stay here tonight and I'll go talk to God about it a little while. So Balaam says, I know what God wants, but I'm going to go see if God will give me an excuse. I know I've told you this story a thousand times, and and I apologize if you've heard it a thousand times, but it never I'll never forget. We were taught something when I was a child, and, and I wanted to go against that teaching, and my parents, they did the wisest thing they could have done. They said, son, uh, we're not going to tell you you can break that because we believe it's from God. Why don't you go talk to God about it? So as a little boy... I waddled myself up to my room. I remember getting down on my knees. I don't remember everything that I said. But finally, I came back downstairs and didn't even say anything to my parents. And finally, around dinnertime, my mom looked at me and said, she said, son, did God speak to you? I said, yes, ma'am. He, he, he did. She said, well, what did God tell you? And I said, God told me it'd be okay if I broke it just this one time. Now, that's silly. But we live that way as Christians. Oh, it's okay if... If, if we move in together because we're going to get married? Is this, is this War Hill? Oh, it's okay if, if, if I don't pay for this. I'll just take it because they really owe it to me. You can never break the commands of God. God is unchanging. His Word is the same today, yesterday, today, and Forever and tomorrow, he, according to Jeremiah one twelve, he's guarding it to make sure it comes about. It doesn't change with circumstances. I'm preaching truth to you here now, okay? But Balaam goes back and he's doing the same thing. God, could you give me an excuse just one time? And I love the way that God deals with Balaam here. He says, go ahead then. Look, my parents had a tone. My dad would say, no, don't do it. No, don't do it. But then ever so often, my dad would say, go ahead and try it. Do you know what that meant? It meant, I'm not telling you again, boy. If you do, you're going to find out why I warned you not to do. You're going to feel whatever the pain. I warned you, I warned you, and that's almost the way that God is saying here to Balaam. He says, Balaam, well, go ahead then. I told you where you're supposed to be. Balaam, just go ahead then which is a very curious command, but let me, let me just put this in context of what the, uh, the, the Jewish people teach. They teach that what happened here was he went back to God with the wrong heart, because he started out saying God's Word, God's Word, God's Word, only God's Word, and he ends up, watch this, he ends up going back saying, come on, God, come on, God, why? Because the Jewish people say that he had his attention on the goal. And when he had his intention on the gold, watch this, he sold his integrity to get what he wanted. He was so determined to go curse the children of Israel, he'd forgotten the truth. And when he forgot the truth, he ended up in trouble. So that is the story behind the story. So it's not that he's going with him, it's his attitude in how he's going Listen to verse number 21, a long passage here, but I want you to hear this supernatural story. Balaam got up in the morning, saddled his donkey, and went with the prince of Moab. But God was very, come on, God was what? Very angry when he went. Now, God just said, go ahead then. But I think it's that attitude thing going to still me. That's not God. There was no power in those words. And the angel of the Lord stood in the road to oppose him. Balaam was riding on his donkey and his two servants were with him. Notice this. When the donkey saw the angel standing in the road, here's this supernatural being standing in the road with a drawn sword in his hand, she turned off the road into a field. Balaam beat her to get her back on the road. Then the angel of the Lord stood in a narrow path between two vineyards with two walls on both sides. And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she pressed close to the wall, crushing Balaam's foot against it. So he beat the donkey again. Then the angel of the Lord moved ahead and stood in a narrow place where there was no room to turn either to the right or to the left. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she lay down under Balaam And he was angry and beat her with his staff. This is like ancient road rage. Come on now, man. I will tell you that yesterday I had to run an errand for the radio station. And I was driving its van, which has Victory 91.5 all over the side of the van. And this man, straight out of darkness itself, almost ran me off the road. And immediately I thought, I'm going to show you that was a mistake. My second thought was, I can't. It says the name of the ministry all over the van. Come on now, amen. How many of you know you need to have the name of Jesus all over your car? Then the Lord gave the donkey the ability to speak. Amazing, supernatural, talking animals. She said to Balaam, what have I done to you that you, to make you beat me these three times? Now, here's what really freaks me out. Balaam answered the donkey. <laughs> how many of your dog looked at you and said, hey, how about a different kibble? You'd go, oh, I'm sorry. I thought I was getting what you like. No, you'd be freaked out. Balaam answered it. Said, you have made me a fool of me. I'm talking to a donkey, but you made me a fool. If I had a sword in my hand, I would kill you right now. The donkey said to Balaam, Am I not your own donkey which you have always ridden to this day? Have I been in this habit of doing this to you? Then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with his sword drawn. So he bowed low, and he fell face down. The angel of the Lord asked him, Why have you beaten your donkey these three times? I have come here to block your way because your path is reckless, a reckless one before me. The donkey saw me and turned away from me these three times. If she had not turned away, I would certainly have killed you by now, but I would have spared her. But Balaam confessed to the angel of the Lord, I have sinned. I did not realize you were standing in the road to block my way. Now, if you are displeased, I will go back. I I am not who I was when I started this journey. I'll go back. The angel of the Lord said to Balaam, Go with the men, but speak only what I tell you. Now, when we look at this supernatural moment, we can see the miracle of a talking donkey. But there's a miracle before that that I think most of us need to recognize. The miracle before that is that God stands in the way of someone he loves trying to go to their own destruction. There's a God who blocks the path. And I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for that kind of God. I'm thankful for a God who blocks the way. When I'm going somewhere, I have no business being. I'll never forget the time of my life. i I could just taste a familiar sin in my, in my, in my spirit. I wanted that sin. And, and I cried out to God, God help me with this. And, and it seemed like every time I tried to move forward to protect that sin, there was a roadblock and a roadblock. And I just screamed. I said, what is going on? And the Spirit of God spoke to my heart and said, did you not ask me for help? Have you not prayed, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil? Do you not believe in the prayer that you're praying that God is able to protect you? I'm thankful for a heavenly father who's willing to be concerned when we're headed in the wrong direction. I'm thankful for a God who will put up signs before you roadblocks on the way to hell saying, my child, my child, don't head in the wrong direction. I'm thankful for a God that sends people into our lives. And look, I've I, I preached a little longer on the beginning of this today than maybe I wanted to, but I want to talk to you about really the the main point I hope to get to out of the 38 points. I love what happens in this story because most of us put ourselves in the shoes of Balaam. We've all gone the wrong direction. We've all been prideful and we've had a different focus and we've wanted God to do that. But, but there's another character who's really the better example the donkey. So maybe instead of putting ourselves in the shoes of Balaam, we ought to put ourselves in the hooves of the donkey. What I mean by that is this. The donkey saw danger, and the donkey loved the master enough that it pushed against his path. The donkey tried and tried to resist him, and when it finally came down to it, the donkey fell down and would not proceed because the donkey said, I love you enough, to take your beating, to try to rescue you from the destruction that is ahead of you. So my challenge to you today is be the donkey. Somebody said, I've got that one covered. Be the donkey. Be the person who will do what's necessary to keep the ones you love from going to a real hell. People tell me, Pastor, if I, if I speak up, they won't come over for holidays. Listen to me. Listen to me carefully. Holidays go and pass. Hell is for all eternity. Be the donkey. Do what you need to do to protect them, to guide them. And, and you know what happens? if I can tell you what would happen. If I were to get some horrible cholesterol re- reading thing, that little lady right there, she would take every good thing from my home. Try to make you eat turkey bacon. Have you ever tried turkey bacon? It tastes like a belt. <laughs> Replace your good, good egg sandwich with, with with some kind of some kind of healthy little fruity cereal. Can I get an amen from anybody in this place? Amen. They'll fight you for it. They'll fight you for your heart. Because they don't want you to die. Why don't we fight each other for our hearts because we don't want them to die in their sin? Pastor, they'll be mad at me. Let them get mad at you. And I got to warn you, when you become the donkey, you get beat a lot of times. You don't love me. You don't trust me. No, I love you enough to know you. And because I know you, I'm not going to help you. Stop paying for your kids to go to hell. don't you come up here in this altar and go, pray, my, 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 my grandson moved in with this girl, and pray, they won't, and, and when you're paying the rent, oh. <laughs> did I just say that out loud? <laughs> I'm worried my son's looking at something he shouldn't on his phone, and you're paying the bill. Become the donkey. Take it away. Take the car keys away. Now, if they're 30, you might have a problem with that. I tell my kids, that car belongs to me until you have a high school diploma on the wall. Keep it, take it, do what is necessary, be the donkey. Pastor, they won't think I love them. No. When it all comes down to the end, what teachers did you value the most? The ones who patted you on the back and said, just keep going, or the ones who challenged you and taught you and fought for you? What you need is somebody. I'm going to tell you something today. I'll preach to somebody who their children will be in this house today, and I remember them standing in the driveway with tears running down their face saying, you're not going to go to hell on my watch. You're not going to hell on my watch. Be the donkey for somebody. Love them enough to stand in the way. the donkey. Verse 35, the angel of the Lord said, go with the men, but only speak what I tell them or what I tell you. Watch this. They come, God tells him, don't go. They come back. He says, God said, don't go, but let me see if I can negotiate with God, which is what most of us try to do. And then he says, okay, you can go. Then God says, I'm going to kill you for going. Then he repents, and now God says, go. Wait a minute. Go. Don't go. Go. You shouldn't have gone. Now go. Could it be that after a crushed foot, a talking donkey, a supernatural encounter, and a repentant heart that he's not going with the same motivation anymore. You see, God's far less concerned with where you're going than who you're becoming. God's concerned with who you're becoming. God wants you to become a healthy, solid, focused believer who walks according to his paths and his plans, that he can help you become who he's called you to be. That's what God wants. So I know that at this point, Balaam has changed. He's not trying to compromise. He gets there and three times, he he gives the most powerful prophecies for them with Balaam looking at him saying, don't you know I'm paying you for something different? Don't you know I could kill you? And, And Balaam says, it doesn't matter because I can only do what God has told me to do. That's where God wants us all to get that we stand on the Word, we stop trying to negotiate the Word, we live by the Word, and we walk in the favor of God because of the Word.